Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Elise, are you ready? You betcha. Excellent. I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grumbacher. Elise Keith is known as the Meeting Maven. She is the co-founder of Lucid Meetings and the author of Where the Action Is, the Meetings That Make or Break Your Organization. Excited to have you on. Elise, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you do what you do. All right. So I, um, as you mentioned, I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Lucid Meetings. I live in Portland with my husband and our two of our five kids and our dog, and we talk about meetings all the time. <laughs> and- well- I, I I love it. How do the dogs feel about that? <laughs> you know, I don't know how the dogs feel, but my <laughs> seven-year-old is like, it gets into my brain and I it drives me a little crazy because it's all about the meetings. But. Yes, more meeting talk. Really, mom? Can't we <laughs> do something else? Like, no, we're talking about no. meetings again. It's where the action is, Maggie. Let's go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it. So, so why, why so passionate about meetings? Well, um... You know, when we when I started getting into my career, I, I didn't start out as a meeting maven. I'm, I'm pretty sure nobody in my daughter's second grade class is like, you know, I'm going to grow up and do meetings for a living. <laughs> um, and that was not my case either. Uh, but when I got into the work world and I uh, saw the difference between the people who are able to make amazing things happen and the people who were not, often that difference came down to whether they were in the meetings and how much influence and action they were able to make happen there. And looking into that and saying, okay, you know, what's going on in those rooms? What, um, what's happening? Is it, is it what everybody tells you it is on the internet, right? Is it this combination of, oh, I've just got an agenda and a bunch of magical personality skills, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm emotionally intelligent and empathetic, but clear and decisive and, you know, a unicorn of a person. <laughs> um, and, and what I discovered was that while there are some magically well-rounded unicorn people, it seems, um, they're few and far between. Um, and what actually is going on in the places where performance is habitual right? Like they're doing meetings well and they're doing them regularly is that they have these underlying systems in place that make that possible so that you can in fact get things done uh, with the real people who show up in the room, <laughs> not, not, you know, waiting for the unicorn to come in and, and, and make everything go for you. So when I found and we discovered those underlying systems in place, um, we founded our company and began to dig dig down into that even deeper and, and do a lot of research and, and bring that out. And it's it's really exciting work. Nice. Well, I think it's fantastic. And I know that, that, that from, from my career, my experience, I started out um, with, 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 within a pretty small organization where any meetings that I was in, it was 
it was just training meetings that I was required to go to to learn, and that was obviously very, very important. But then I transitioned into working for a Fortune 100 company from a management perspective, and it was tons of meetings. And I didn't know, I don't know that I would look back and say that a lot of those were worth my time. But I think we can all probably point to um, having great experiences with meetings and, and not great. But can you give us a sense of like how many meetings are taking place and how many hours or is there a, is there a way to quantify that? Yeah, absolutely. So we did um, some research on this in, uh, golly, 2015, I think. And because there were numbers out there that everybody was using at the beginning of their articles that just didn't seem right. And so we went digging and it turns out there are close to 65 million meetings per day in the U.S. alone. Wow. And we have a global um, economy. So U.S. alone is just, you know, a fraction of what's going on. Um, and our numbers aren't even taking into account um, any of the meetings that are happening outside of the traditional work environment. So all of the things that we're doing in our communities and as volunteers and as students and whatnot. So it, so the real number, I think, is actually much, much higher. Um, now, given that, like you've got all of these meetings happening every day. And as you mentioned, when you get into larger corporations and you move higher up the executive chain, so the managers and directors and VPs, those people can be spending up to 80% of their work week in meetings. And yet fewer than 25% of them have any training of any kind in how to make that time a good use of everyone's time. Right. Which is which is a stunning, it's a stunning set of statistics when you put it all together. Because you've got this massive investment, billions of dollars being spent on an annual basis in our economy. More money is being spent on these meetings than we have in circulation and currency, right? Like if yeah. you took all of the dollar bills out of everybody's wallet, you couldn't pay for these meetings. And, and the people running them are not trained to do their job. So... So I'm 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 excited to dig into this um, because as as you're talking about 65 million meetings a day in the U.S. alone, I can picture some people that I know that work at big companies just thinking, "Well, I feel like we have 65 million meetings just in my company every day," uh-huh. and I know that they feel like 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 it's a waste of time. So okay, so it's a matter of the people running the meetings aren't necessarily equipped to be able to 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 run a good meeting, and also the folks who are having to sit through the meetings. Um, maybe don't have training in in how to be a good participant. And I I wanted to circle back that I can speak from personal experience, both between my wife and I and close friends, that when we are excluded from a meeting, um, you feel like you want to have a a seat at the table if you are um, whatever industry it is and you feel like you're being left out, then it is pretty lousy and that can be demoralizing. Um, And so I think that there is immense value in feeling like you're a part of it, and then obviously having a successful and effective meeting um, will make kind of make and break your your company, which is the title of your book, essentially. So, mm-hmm. so how, how 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 do we jump into this? How do we how do we unpack what kind of training we need, or how how we go about like how do we start to have have good meetings? So um, there. So as I mentioned, the the there are companies that have this down, right? They have consistently effective meetings that help people feel included, where they make great decisions, where you get those feelings that you get, right? When you're, when you're in a room full of people who are 
committed to a shared vision and making stuff happen. Um, and the way that they do it is they design those conversations to achieve their goals. So they don't, they don't have meetings, right? They have interviews, they have daily huddles, they have action reviews. You know, they're having purposeful conversations that are designed to create specific outcomes, right? Like this conversation we're having, it's a, it's a podcast interview. We both know what we're trying to achieve here. We both know kind of how it's meant to be. We're both actively participating. This is a good meeting. And each and every one of the ones that happens within a company can be designed in that same way. But the first step, the very, very first step is to take a look at what's happening within the organization, if that's not the case already, and do a simple audit. You know, what, what am I doing in this room all of this time and what purpose is it serving? You know, and, and can I even glean from what's happening here? If I actually look at what's going on on my calendar, um, where that value is meant to be or where there are things where I need to make some changes. I think that that seems like an excellent starting point right there. So what's the current state of our organization's meetings? It's, um, it's, you know, so we do a program with larger organizations. We do a, um, a diagnostic where we help them look at their meeting culture. And that first step, that audit, where they just write down what they are and they do the, the basic math, right? How many meetings are there? How many people are in them? Did we produce anything? Why, was we, why were we having that meeting in the first place? That by itself um, often ends up creating really astonishing and quick changes, Right. They, they'll go through and they'll they'll realize that they're having the sales update. And because they want to have everybody feel included, they've invited 90 people from across the organization to sit in a three hour meeting. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're like, my gosh, you're just you're shredding dollar bills. You know, <laughs> there, Literally. Are, there are so many other ways to do that. And when they look at it and they do the math, they go, oh, hold on a second. We can actually have a sales update and we can record the call and then send it out to everybody. And people can then uh, look at the notes and if they wish, watch the video on double time. Right. Same result. Fraction of the cost. Everybody who wishes to be included is and everybody gets the information, but they don't all have to sit in real time. Yeah. In the same room. Right. So that's simple, simple practice. Right. Um, one of my favorite pieces of advice for organizations that are going through these um, changes is is a dual piece. It's um, first, make sure you keep notes for every meeting and send them out where everybody can see them. And then you make every meeting optional. Hmm. How is that received right there when you're talking to organizations saying, okay, we're going to keep take notes and like, okay, that, that makes sense. And then you're going to make every meeting optional. Do they clam up? They freak out just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it's a little terrifying, right? It's a forcing function. Like, okay, manager um, who's called 12 meetings this week, nobody has to come to any of these if they feel they have something else they need to do. And for the participant, all of a sudden, every meeting that you've been complaining about right? Every meeting where you said, oh, they keep calling me into these waste of time meetings and I can't get anything done. Now you don't have to go. What do you do, right? What do you do with that? It's an enormous 
forcing function because while the manager or the leader or whoever it is that called that meeting really is the person who should understand, you know, what's the purpose, what's the outcome, what's the design, how are we going to get, how are we going to get this group of people to a result? That's really a leader's responsibility. But uh, meetings aren't, you know, they aren't solo performances. Those are team sports. So everybody who shows up is meant to then play the game, right? <laughs> help yeah. move that ball forward. And, um, and in our organizations where we have these habits, where we just invite a bunch of people into the room and, and don't say anything when everybody's actually checking their phone, a lot of uh, participants have gotten into um, a, a spectator kind of mentality. Yeah, they show up and they watch and they, they have opinions about how it ought to have been, but they're not actively participating in, in changing that. So when you make the meeting optional, that says, you know, hey, if you don't have anything to do here, if you're not going to contribute, if you've got something better that needs to happen, you know, leave. <laughs> you shouldn't be in this room. Yeah. Yeah, well, I see. I, I see value in that. I, I see it as a, certainly a paradigm shift for a lot of organizations. All right, so doing an audit, um, keeping notes, making sure that, or letting everybody know that these meetings are optional. What's what's the next step? So the the actual value comes um, when you then adopt uh, what what's known as a meeting operating system. So a meeting operating system has has three tenets to it, or three core components. The first of which is performance criteria. So the performance criteria for meetings are, they're like, they're like the rules of the game in sport, right? Like, so you get out on the soccer field and you know which direction the goal is and you know the goalie's job and you know what's out of bounds and what's in bounds and all of those kinds of things. And in organizations where they have this in place, they have the same kind of rules for meetings. So um, every meeting's optional might be a performance criteria or we always take notes or, um, you know, Amazon's really famous for uh, their no PowerPoint rule and their uh, two pizza rule. Have you heard of these? Uh, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> so, the, so the no PowerPoint rule is a rule that they put in place to prevent people from like that spectator syndrome, right? The thing where they just sit back and watch passively. Sure. And instead what they do is they write a two-page document that explains everything that they're going to, um, whatever the proposal on the table is, and they take the first 10 minutes of the meeting and they all read it in silence. <laughs> so they don't assume that people have time to prep in advance, except for the person making the proposal. And they all sit there in silence and they um, read this document and then they, then they go about their conversation. So that's their no PowerPoint rule. And the uh, two-pizza rule means that you should never have anybody more people in a meeting than can be fed with two large pizzas. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So those are just, just, you know, they're boundaries, right? They're the, they're the rules of the game as they're played in Amazon. Um, so you get the performance criteria in place, and then you put in um, meeting flows, or basically they're, they're like the plays, right? So let's say one of your business activities is hiring new people which for many companies it is. <laughs> and um, a meeting flow will document or design the different conversations involved in how you get from, hey, we're going to hire somebody 
to onboarding that person. So how are we going to make the decision about what the job looks like? How are we going to run our interviews? How are we going to decide between the candidates? How are we going to have that offer conversation, right? Each one of those conversations is a distinct meeting that you can kind of plan in advance how that's going to run. Got it. I think that's so valuable just so everybody's on the same page. You understand here's here's the format, here's the questions that you should be ready to answer. Um, this, here's, here's how we do things. Here's how the meeting's going to flow. I got it. Okay. Yeah, and that kind of thing gets um, sort of off the charts valuable when you apply it to the core strategy for the company um, and how that strategy turns into operations, right? So we sit down once a year, once a quarter, whatever your strategic rhythm is, and you say, okay, here are our goals as a company or as a team. And then you have a way that you make, you run, make those decisions. And then you've got a meeting every week that is designed to make sure everybody's talking specifically about progress on that strategy. So the strategy conversation's designed, it's separate. The execution decision, conversation is designed it's separate and then you have a conversation that's designed to say hey how are we going to handle um all the craziness that we know is going to happen we just don't know what it is yet (laughs) right Right. like like the stuff that comes in on that weekly meeting that all of a sudden it was supposed to be a 30 minute call and now it's two and a half hours right like how Mm -hmm. are we going to handle that stuff so you design a conversation for that and you put those things in place you say, okay, this one happens once a week, this happens once every two weeks, etc. Everybody knows how that group is going to decide what they're doing, make adjustments to those plans, and keep that work on track in advance. And you eliminate 60% of all of those random meetings that show up on the calendar. Nice. I love it. Okay. I think that's an excellent framework. Are there additional steps? Yeah. And so the final one, so we talked about performance criteria. Um, you talked about having designs or plans for how you run the key meetings that get you to the results you want. And then the last section of a meeting operating system is just how you support that, right? How do you, um, invest in the resources and the training and the, um, you know, the sticky notes, whatever it is that your organization is going to use to support making all of that effective. Got it. So technology, simple stuff, complex you know, stuff. Yeah. Chocolate chip cookies for like the hard meeting. Right. right? I guess chocolate chip cookies are a good thing <laughs> for most people. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Coffee. Right. All of the, all of the fundamental support things. Absolutely. Got it. Okay. This seems like this seems like a very a, a very smart also very actionable process. Do you find that that people grab a hold of it and then they go down the path and if so do, do the wheels come off because they they work so well that they stop doing it like so many other things in our lives? You know, the, um, it's, it's a fascinating thing to watch, right? So um, one thing about really strongly and well-designed meeting systems is they're resilient. Um, they do require somebody in a leadership capacity to come in and say, okay, we're taking this on, 
we're going to we're going to get serious. We're going to break some bad habits. We're going to get good at this core part of our business. But unlike many of the other kinds of changes that whip through organizations, once you've got an organization that's starting to say, this is how we meet, um, it becomes basically the, the root of their culture, right? It's the way in which they get their jobs done. It's the way that they make decisions. It's the way that they celebrate. And that's hard to unseat, right? You get the, you get the CEO change out. You get all of those. You get big shifts in markets and whatnot. If your company has a way that it tracks finances every Tuesday and it looks the same and everybody in the group knows how to run it, that tends to withstand quite a bit of that um, cultural whiplash that you otherwise get. Got it. I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, at least Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? All right. So um, my difference-making tip is to walk in to each and every one of your next meetings and look at what great value you can create there. So each and every one of those is an opportunity to get a whole bunch of people rallied around creating something awesome together. If you can tap into that just a little bit and speak up and name it, you've got a chance to make an influence and an impact there that doesn't happen otherwise. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. And Elise, thank, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of your book? Uh, you can find out everything about me and my book and our company on lucidmeetings.com. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Elise your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to lucidmeetings.com. Check out all the great resources they have, that they have available and get a copy of the book. Thank you again, Elise. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!